You don't eat lunch? I've got a scene after lunch. Yeah? Eating lunch before I do a scene makes me sluggish. I believe it's the job of an actor, and I say actor, not actress, because the word actress is nonsensical. It's the actor's job to avoid impediments to their performance. It's the actor's job to strive for 100% effectiveness. Naturally, we never succeed, but it's the pursuit that's meaningful. Who are you? You can call me Marabella. Mar Marabella what? Marabella Lancer. No, no, come on, come on. What's your real name? When we're on set, I prefer to only be referred to by my character's name. It helps me invest in the reality of the story. I've tried it both ways, and I'm always just a tiny bit better when I don't break character. And if I can be a tiny bit better, I want to be. up with that scene from once upon a time in hollywood you know what uh, we haven't had that many new movies in the last year that one came out the year before was a really good movie i hate to hate to say that because of quentin tarantino who i have no uh no no love for him personally but his movies are pretty pretty good so uh and i and i picked that scene I picked that scene. I was watching it the other night and I go, that's a good, that's a good scene right there. You know, here's a little girl who's, who's, who notices the difference between what it takes to do a good job and do a little better job, not breaking character, not eating lunch before a scene, this kind of stuff. This is the attitude that our whole country needs to get in instead of the attitude of what can the government do for me? What can I do for myself and how can I make myself better? Well, hey, there's, there's not income equality. Well, there's not income equality because we're not equal. We don't work. We don't work the same equal amount of effort. We don't put it, get in the equal amount of, of uh, output and therefore income should not be equal. That's how America is that way. Hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not really happy with my place in life. Work harder. Work smarter. Do something to improve yourself so you can do something to improve your life. 
And that's the, that's the attitude we need to be spreading around this country. And uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with what I'm talking about this week, but I just thought, Hey, you know what? That is, a, I was watching it the other night and just said, Hey, there's a, there's a line didn't really sink in the first time. Why I say you got to watch more movies and you got to watch movies more times because there's so much effort that goes into these things with little kind of lines that you don't catch the first time you hear the story, the basic story. The second time you hear more of the details, the third time you hear more of it. And it's just why I am who I am because I watch movies. I, uh, I experience people's uh, experiences without having to live them myself. That uh, song was the land of confusion from Genesis, which was uh, put out as a video uh, at the end of Reagan's Reagan's time where there, if you remember, it's a, it's a classic It's classic music video where they're, they're, they're basically, basically uh, presenting Reagan as kind of a Alzheimer's guy, just kind of a senile old warmonger. And, uh, you know, these guys from England are making their opinions, which I don't really uh, agree with the, uh, with the video, but if I, if I didn't listen to music to all the guys I don't agree with politically, I wouldn't have anybody to listen to music for. So anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff that shows this, this country is a land of confusion and it's a, and it's a land of, of, uh, illusion right now it's a land of illusion because what we're seeing and what is really happening seem to be completely different um the way i see things and of course you know perception is reality and uh you know if, if i see it and it's my perception then it's my reality and if it's my reality it's my opinion and everyone's entitled to my opinion and my opinion so anyway uh before i go on let me introduce myself if you don't if you don't know who i am my name is ed hoffman i'm with summit funding if you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing you want to it's you know real estate financing is a big transaction you want to deal with someone who thinks like you so if you're listening to this show and by the end of the show you're still listening and you're not mad um then i probably you probably think like me call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 one last time dear night toll free area code 855 855- five five six four zero twenty twenty uh if you don't want to if you don't want to talk on the phone but you do want to get some financing information whether that's refinancing a house you own buying a house that you don't already own or getting involved in one of those reverse mortgage things if you're uh you or your spouse is 62 years or older and you have some equity would like to put a little bit more a little bit more uh life into your the rest of your life in fi- far as financially uh, 855-640-2020. If you want to talk, but if, if you don't want to talk on the phone, you can go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the Summit Funding logo that takes you to my lending page. Put in as much information as you want and tell me what information you want back and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Seems like, uh, seems like, Real estate financing and finances in general are a puzzle today, and uh, and it's, some people are just missing missing that little extra opinion. And sometimes sometimes having a having an opinion from outside the circle looking in gives you great clarity. So hey, you know if it were me, this is what I would do. And you don't have to take my advice, but I'll give it to you anyway. So um, where did I leave? Where did I leave off? If you hear something you want repeated. Go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Used to be called iTunes. Now, apparently, they call the podcast part of that 
Apple Podcasts. You can go on there and you can subscribe for free. So every week when we upload it, it'll automatically download to your, your iPhone or your iWatch, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your computer, anything that you can get podcasts on and you can listen to it on demand. Doesn't You don't have to listen to it right when it downloads, but you can if you want. And it's usually the day before um, we record on Friday and it doesn't play on the radio till Saturday. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Um, Facebook page is the main event. The is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman and uh, everywhere else on all the other social media stuff. I'm at big Ed Hoffman. I'm trying to post a little bit on, on everything. When I, when I have an opinion on something, I haven't figured out really, you know, parlor was big and then parlor went away. I'm sure parlor will come back at some point. I'm sure they had enough people on there. Um, but cloud hub and, uh, and, uh, gab, and there's all these ones. I signed up for a bunch of them trying to post a little bit just to see where everybody migrates to that's the power of social media is having people be on there so you can be social with them as opposed to just post something and nobody sees it um what i leave out if you uh, have opinions on the show you want to get me a message ed at edhoffman.net and i get all those um all right so uh let's let's get on um a lot of you've been a lot of you've been commenting lately so i do see all them um, and, and I respond to the ones that, that, uh, well, you asked for a response. Um, so anyway, let's talk about what's happening this week. The second Senate impeachment trial of Donald Trump began this week. Um, so $1 billion, $1 billion plus of payroll paid by us taxpayers is tied up doing nothing, but this foolishness. Democrats need 17 Republican votes for an impeachment in order to convict the former president. And everyone knows they're not going to get it. The first, the first day was uh, Tuesday, which both sides, nine House impeachment managers for the Democrats versus two attorneys on Trump's defense team, argued the constitutionality of impeaching Trump after he's already left office. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, crying Chuck, kicked things off, concentrating so hard on being dramatic that he could barely uh, get uh, Donald J. Trump's name out of his mouth. Mr. President, in a moment, I will call up a resolution to govern the structure of the second impeachment trial of, President, of Donald, John, Don, Donald John Trump. Yeah, it's uh, at least he used his name. He started to call him president and he just said Donald John Trump. I think it's completely disrespectful the way they're treating him um, because, you know, they always re, they always uh, um, refer to President Bush as President Bush. They refer to Obama as President Obama. They refer to Clinton as President Clinton. And and sometimes, even if they say former president, but they don't use the word president unless they use ex-president, which to me is offensive, that uh, they treat him with such disrespect after the great job he did for America. And apparently, all that all that's all that's important now is that that we like the guy who's in who's in uh, who's in office, which to me, it doesn't make any sense because my life doesn't involve, my life doesn't involve Donald Trump. My life doesn't involve Joe Biden. I've met president George W. Bush, but my life doesn't involve him. My life involves my wife and my kids and my employees and my borrowers and my clients and people I come in contact with. What I want is a president in there that will do things for our country that will make that will affect my life in a positive way and will affect your life in a positive way. And that's what we got with Donald Trump, with Donald Trump. 
So the lead impeachment manager, Jamie Raskin, who's a dork of Maryland, delivered opening statements that had very little to do with the Constitution since the charges incitement of insurrection. Their side has to prove that Trump premeditated the violence on January 6th. Raskin argued that Trump's tweets are proof of his premeditation. Donald Trump, for months and months, assembled the tinder, the kindling, threw on logs for fuel to have his supporters believe that the only way their victory would be lost was if it was stolen. So that way, President Trump was ready, if he lost the election, to light the match. In fact, when he had assembled his inflamed mob in D.C., he warned us that he knew what was coming. This was President Trump's statement the night before the attack. I hope the Democrats, and even more importantly, the weak and ineffective rhino section of the Republican Party are looking at the thousands of people pouring into D.C. They won't stand for a landslide victory to be stolen at Senate Majority Leader, at John Cornyn, at Senator John Thune. It's all right there. And he tags senators to pressure you to stop this. Yeah, well, hard hard to believe that he would be premeditating this thing, you know, that he tweets about things that are obvious to everybody. You know, it's, oh, hey, you know what, this is, you know, the wait till you see what's coming your way. And we're not going to, and the, the American people aren't going to, aren't going to sit still and, and, and allow a landslide victory to be stolen. We're not, we're just not, you know, there's, you don't what it's kind of frustrating that I don't see a lot of, a lot of uh, things happening yet, but Biden's been in there for a month. Not even that he's been in there for three weeks. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I want things to happen now as I wanted things to happen on January 6th. I wanted things to happen on November 8th. And, and it's frustrating to see that, but the reality is we're not going to stand with this. People that vote against vote against Trump for, or vote for impeachment, they're not going to get reelected. The Republicans are not going to not, we're not going to sit here and not notice. We're not going to stand for, another uh, election with mail-in voting. We're not going to uh, stand for any of the, any of the dirty tricks they did, you know, so for Trump to tweet that is throwing kindling on the fire and it's just waiting to flick the match. If he doesn't win, I think he's a, uh, I think he's a uh, going a little bit too dramatic. Uh, Trump's team was originally made up of five attorneys. He parted ways with them and brought in two other attorneys at the last minute. Bruce Castor, a former Pennsylvania district attorney, and David Schoen, a Georgia-based lawyer who previously represented Roger Stone. Castor so far has failed to impress. Schoen, on the other hand, is pretty good. Uh, and here, he, here is a highlight of his opening argument. They say you need this trial before the nation can heal, that the nation cannot heal without it. I say... Our nation cannot possibly heal with it. With this trial, you will open up new and bigger wounds across the nation for a great many Americans see this process for exactly what it is. A chance by a group of partisan politicians seeking to eliminate Donald Trump from the American political scene and seeking to disenfranchise 74 million plus American voters and those who dare to share their political beliefs and vision of America. And the latest talk is that they need to deprogram 
those who supported Donald Trump. But at the end of the day, this is not just about Donald Trump. This is about our Constitution and abusing the impeachment power for political gain. They don't want unity, and they know this so-called trial will tear the country in half. Yes, they, you know, they say we, we can't heal unless we go through this trial. I don't think we can heal at all. I don't think, I just don't, they don't, hey, you know, everybody's peaceful right now. So they're not, so they don't, they think everybody's okay with it, but nobody's okay with this. Nobody's okay with it. You know, the things that are happening are just starting to sink in. And I'm going to talk about this later in the show. The things are just starting to sink, sink in. You think about uh, um, Biden is talking about creating a travel ban for anybody in Florida that can't leave the, can't leave the state because Florida is not following the COVID rules. And of course, Florida, Florida is saying, Hey, uh, be, you know, social distance as you need to. They're, they're being, they're opening schools, they're opening businesses and they've taken a different common sense approach. And Florida's, Florida's uh, COVID infections and deaths are lower than any state in the country. Maybe it's because there's sunshine there. Maybe it's because there's a Republican governor there with some common sense. It could be a lot of things. But the fact is, keeping everybody shut down and letting, letting the government control our lives has not helped. You got illegal aliens. You know, we can't, we can't go anywhere without all these COVID restrictions, but they're letting illegal aliens in 300 a day. People that have been, been trying to get asylum and, and Trump made them wait in Mexico. Biden's bringing them in 300 a day and just letting them come into the United States. What is the point of that? Do they have to take COVID, COVID tests? Do they have to be screened? We're just letting all these people come in. We don't know if they're rapists or, or murderers. We don't know who they are, but just to make a point, that Trump did this, so we're going to undo it. Whether that makes us, whether that was keeping us safe or not, we're just going to undo it. You know what? We just were hearing about the the lies that uh, Andrew Cuomo did in New York. Hey, he got an Emmy Award for his daily his daily briefs on on COVID and how well he managed it. You know, he needed he needed more ventilators, and Trump made it happen. He he did the uh, the the Defense Act where he got companies to stop making cars and start making ventilators. And he got uh, companies stop making pillows and start making face masks and do that for the good of the country. And we sent all that stuff, they didn't even use it. He brought in the Mercy ship, uh, the, the uh, military ship that's a floating hospital, brought that in, they didn't even use it. They said, oh, no way, he's not gonna be able to get it there. But he did, he had uh, the Mercy and the Comfort. One of them was, was uh, in New York Harbor and one was in LA, LA Harbor. Oh, he's not going to get it here in a week. He's not going to be able to get it here in the next 10 days. And nine days later, it was, it was in the harbor. Trump was a get things done happen, do what's right for the people and get it done and get it done now. But you know what? What the object of the media is, is to just keep saying the things that they want us to think. They don't want us to, to be thinking and paying attention and, and seeing things clearly. And, you know, it, it brings up a clip from the Truman Show where Truman was in his own little world and all the people around him were actors and they're broadcasting his, his life all day, uh, all day, 24 hours a day. And it was a reality TV show. And the guy that created it was in an interview on that show. Why do you think that uh, America has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. We accept the reality of the world as it is presented. 
You know, it's as simple as that, you know, and, and I clipped that, I clipped that another time saying, Hey, why hasn't America discovered in the movie? It's why hasn't Truman discovered the reality of, of his, of his world? Cause he accepts the world as it's presented to him. And you know what? And if the media and the social media get rid of all the conservative out, outspoken people, and they get rid of all the, all the, uh, all the, they take down parlor and they take down all the conservative voices, then all anybody's going to hear is the liberal, the liberal side. It's going to be China. It's going to be North Korea because the, the Democrats are going to decide what anybody gets to hear and what anybody gets to say. And if you speak out about uh, the truth that you, as you see it, you get, you lose your job, you get canceled. You, they take down your account. Do you see what's happening here, folks? It's scary. Uh, as expected, the Senate voted that the trial was constitutional, uh, you know, 51 votes, and it proceeded on Wednesday. Joaquin Castro of Texas continued the argument that Trump's pre-election tweets were the beginning of an insurrection, and he pretended that Trump totally fabricated all the allegations of fraud. In tweet after tweet, he made sweeping allegations about election fraud that couldn't possibly be true. But that was the point. He didn't care if the claims were true. He wanted to make sure that his supporters were angry, like the election was being ripped away from them. On May 24th, six months before the election, he tweeted, it will be the greatest rigged election in history. How could he possibly know it would be the greatest rigged election in history six months before the election happened? How could he possibly know? Because they already decided we're doing all mail-in all mail-in voting and that we were already seeing ballots go out to in in giant batches to addresses that didn't that didn't exist to you we were hearing reports of 83 ballots to one apartment one uh, mailbox in one apartment building we saw it they were just mailing out ballots it was obvious the mail in ballot, ballot fraud was going to was going to be a problem as for wednesday afternoon democrats are uh, praising the performance of Rhode Island's David Cicilline um, going, th going through the timeline of January 6th, Cicilline made the argument that Trump saying he would march to the Capitol with the crowd was proof of the insurrection. Now, you'll recall during the speech, President Trump said, we're going to the Capitol, sort of suggesting that he was going to go with this crowd. Of course, that was not true. Um, but let's hear what he said. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. This, of course, was not true. He did not go with him to the Capitol. He left and went back to the White House. And while he was en route to the White House, violence really began to grow here at the Capitol. And within minutes of Donald Trump's speech ending, there were significant reports of escalating violence that began to surface. Yeah, I suspect that... Uh that Trump saying, hey, I'm going to go with you. And then once he got off the stage, the Secret Service said, oh, no, you're not. No, you're not. He probably had the right intentions, but uh, the Secret Service would probably put a stop to that. House impeachment manager arguments continued Thursday. Most of them were unremarkable, but Diana DeGette of Florida played clips of Trump supporters who were arrested at the Capitol. The idea was to prove that these people were incited by Trump. The crowd at the Capitol made clear who they were doing this for. If it comes down to war, guess what? I'm going to be there. We're all going to be up here. We're going to be breaking 
open those windows. No, he'll be happy. What do you mean? We're fighting for Trump. Does he not realize President Trump called us to siege the place? I thought I was following my president. I thought I was following what we were called to do. He asked us to fly there. He asked us to be there. So I was doing what he asked us to do. Even after the attack, the insurrectionists made clear to law enforcement that they were just following President Trump's orders. They thought they were following orders from the commander in chief, and so they would not be punished. They were wrong. Yeah, well, there's a there's a few whack jobs in every in every in every crowd. You know what? Uh, Scott Scott called me and said, "Hey, let's let's go to Washington D.C." And I'm saying, and I said, "You know what? I don't really think that's where I want to be on January 6. I think the important the important stuff is not going to be the protest outside. The important stuff is going to be what's going on inside the inside the Congress and the arguments there. And I just don't think that's a good place that we should be. And uh, then, of course, Scott got COVID anyway. So then then he agreed with me. But but I tell you, think about what's going on and listen to this clip from Truman one more time. Why do you think that uh, America has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. I'll end the first half of the main event this week. On that thought, stay tuned for five minutes of weather, traffic, uh, commercials, and sports, and I'll be back with lots more. Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate and finance on the radio um, because uh, if you're not in the market or you're not sure if you're in the market, it's probably boring. But if you think you might be or wonder if you are or if you are, if you know you are, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. Uh, or if you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and I'll try to help you out with some clear thinking, common sense about your finances and uh, help you seize the moment of the great interest rates that are out there and uh, help you get straight. Anyway, uh, so first half we were talking about the, uh, the, uh, the looming impeachment of a president who's no longer in office. And you know what, I, it makes me wonder, what are the Democrats so scared of? Because they don't want, they don't, they're not trying to get Trump out of office, he's already out of office. Um, they're worried about what if he runs again? And I heard somebody say, we're not worried about him winning. We're worried about what happens if he loses, if he runs again in four years and he loses. And, you know, this might happen again. So we're going to have blood on our hands if we don't do this. That's such a crock of, crock of BS. So, but you have to wonder, these guys are scared because they know they stole the election. They know that the majority of the country liked what Trump was doing. I don't care if you like Trump or not. We like what Trump's doing and that's all we need. We don't need we don't need uh, we don't need a uh, a president of the United States to be the pastor of our church. We don't need the president of the United States to date our daughters. We don't need the we don't need the president of the United States to be the guy who's teaching our kids. We need the president of the United States to manage our country, to protect us from enemies, 
to enforce the laws and to create an environment where we can leave in, where we can live in peace and pursue our own happiness. We don't need them to pay our bills. We don't need them to, to uh, give us our income. Just create an environment where we're, where we can all pursue our own happiness at what, what, and what, at whatever that means to each of us. And that's what, that's what is America. So in the second half, I want to talk about the Biden backlash. While America's focused on the impeachment trial, Joe Biden continues to be used as a puppet to destroy the fabric of our country while nobody's paying attention, which is exactly what Democrats want. And I have to wonder who's really running our country. Who's the, who's the guy holding the handles of the marionette called Joe Biden, Mr. Magoo? Uh, who, is the, who is really doing it? My wife thinks it's Obama. Um, I don't know that it's Obama. Obama may have some influence on it, but what is the object of the game here? Okay, they want to get Trump out. They got Trump out. Most people don't believe it. Most people don't believe it. Most people know it was not done correctly, and they're going to have some, there's going to be some payback coming up at some point, uh, whether that's 2022 or it's going to be 2024, but things are going to be set right, or there's going to be probably some secession from the union. And the way things are going, you know, whether it's Texas first or whether it's Florida first, but how I envision it is California, Oregon, and Washington and the upper Midwest or the upper East, upper, the, the Northeast side of the country and from Florida to Florida to Arizona and from uh, Texas to, uh, to North Dakota and uh, over to Idaho all those 36 states are going to are we're going to be the red we're going to the red states we're going to create our own country as i see it because uniting the states uniting the people is not happening and if you look at what's what's going on you know everything that joe biden's doing is bad for our country it's going to it's it makes us less safe it makes us less energy independent he's destroying the lives of the people and that's not hyperbole that's real here's what here's here's something that's happening today on Friday, the Biden administration notified the states that it plans to revoke the Medicaid work requirement the Trump administration put in place two years ago. The move is one of several steps Biden's health department is expected to take to unravel the work long criticized by the Democrats. In other, in other words, uh, more, more of them are coming down the pike. So what he did is say, hey, if you're, if you're qualifying for the, for the lowest price, um, the lowest price government healthcare because you're low income, then you have to work. You have to do some work or you have to do some, you have to do some volunteer work. And they say that this is inhumane. It's just trying to get people off the, off the rolls. And well, that's probably right. Cause if you remember back in 2014 uh, in Maine, Maine governor, Paul LePage reinstated worker requirements for, for childless adults age 18 to 49 who seek help under the federal supplemental nutrition assistance program, food stamps, also known as SNAP. So, so he said, hey, if you don't have kids and you're, you're between 18 and 49, then you have to work. So if you're getting, if you're getting the food, food assistance, you don't get to stay home and smoke weed and watch Alan. And you don't, get to, you don't get to just screw off and you don't get to, and you don't get to just go and, uh, and work under the table so that uh, you say you have low income when you don't and just take money from the government because you can. Hey, if you're going to be on this program, you have to work. And what happened with that? Between uh, 2014 and 2018, 
the, the enrollment had dropped by 80%. Why is that? Well, if I got to work for it, I just assume go do something else because they can. And if you can work, then why are you taking government assistance? That's not American. Wait, let's use, uh, let's use uh, uh, Obama's, Obama's line. Hey, that's not who we are. That's not who we are. Well, that's who we were under uh, Obama, but that's not who we are in reality. We work. We work. And if you want to live better, you work harder. Uh, more back, more Biden backlash. Attorney generals from more than a dozen states say they're considering lawsuits against the Biden administration over canceling the Keystone XL pipeline permit. In a letter Tuesday, Montana Attorney General Austin Knudsen, Montana, where I'm on my, in route to right now, uh, asked Biden to reconsider, saying the state will lose $58 million in tax revenue and five of the counties affected by the closure are already in poverty. Let's think about this. Let's, let's reverse engineer this. $58 million in tax revenue. $58 million in tax revenue in the state of, of Montana, where the Montana state income tax is 6.9%, means that by canceling the XL pipeline, that's $840,579,710 worth of payroll dollars that they canceled. And if the average guy working in those jobs makes $75,000 a year, that's 11,207 uh, actual jobs. That's just in Montana. Okay, so if you look at the Keystone Pipeline, the Keystone Pipeline comes in from Alberta, Canada, and it enters into Montana. Then it come, gets the lower, lower left corner of North Dakota, goes through South Dakota, down into Nebraska, through Kansas, through Oklahoma, and through Texas. In just one state, that's 11,207 jobs. Okay, and so then when you look at this, um, the letter also was signed by the attorney generals of Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, Kansas, West Virginia, Louisiana, Texas, South Carolina, South Dakota, Mississippi, and Missouri. Uh, so if all those, other, all those other attorney generals sign this, what do they have in it? Well, some of them are going to lose the jobs in their state, but then there's also states that the pipeline doesn't come through. Why does it affect them? Because remember what I talked about last week? It's not just the people that are working on the pipeline. And I heard, and I heard when they talk about 11,000, they're talking about uh, 1,000 pipeline jobs and 10,000 construction jobs. You know, digging and setting up pi pipes and all that stuff. I don't know what the difference is because the pipeline, I, in my eyes, building the pipeline is construction and whatever else that is. Maybe that's plumbers and other, and other things. But that's 11,000 jobs in Montana. Then there's the guys that make the parts for the, there's somebody that's making these pipes. There's somebody that are making seals. There's people that are making bolts. There are people that are, that are driving trucks to take those parts over there. There's people that are, that there's people, you know, think about this, $840,579,710 into the state of Montana. Now Montana is not sparsely, sparsely uh, packed in with people like California is. So that's spread out. That's a lot of money to, for people to take their families out to dinner. So that's a lot of restaurant people with a lot of tips they're not getting. There's a lot of people at car dealers that those people are making that kind of money. They can probably afford a new car. There's a lot of cars that aren't being sold, which affects the people in Detroit building them. And it affects the people on the car lots in Montana selling them. And how about the, 
How about the uh, the people buying houses? There's real estate agents and escrow people and lenders and, and roofers and framers and concrete people, all these people. And then in addition to that, all those people that make money that isn't, effect, isn't directly affecting the from the pipeline, they're making jobs, they're paying more revenue to the state and they're spending their money too. Biden has no clue of how the, how the economy works. There's also been a backlash in Biden's China policy. Just three weeks after Biden announced he would reverse Trump's decision to withdraw from the, the US from the World Health Organization, the, the WHO, the WHO, the WHO, announced uh, Tuesday this dubious conclusion. The coronavirus is unlikely to have leaked from a Chinese, Chinese, Chinese lab as more of likely to have jumped from human to an animal. Yeah, that could happen. You know what? And why are they saying, why are they, why are they feeding this, this chunk of this, this bunch of BS? Why do you think that uh, America has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now? We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Yeah, so let's just make sure that we're telling everybody the World Health Organization said it, it jumped from a, a bat, a human from a bat, human from a, from a who cares what, a mouse or something. It, it, was, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't them creating a virus and, uh, and, and maybe purposely sending it out amongst the world. The WHO team that just visited Wuhan is considering several several theories for how the disease first ended up in the in humans, leading to the global pandemic of the past year. Here, here's a theory: Chinese Communist Party paid its scientists to create a virus in the lab. <clears throat> and as and what's the possibility that that the Democrats, uh, aided by Ms. Dr. Tony Fauci, um, figured, hey, the only way we're going to win against a president who is this successful. When he's going for re-election, there's no way the Democrats are going to be able to win because unemployment's down, the economy's doing great, the the we're not getting threats from other countries, um, the the border wall's going up, things are going good. We're not getting all these illegal aliens coming in. We're having the the country is safe, the country is working, the country is prospering. How are we going to win? How are we going to get this guy we hate out? I got an idea. Let's get the uh, let's. If we could just have an excuse that everybody had to vote by mail, that would give a tremendous opportunity to cheat. And that couldn't be. I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. <clears throat> I don't know. Just call him like I see him. But Biden has backtracked on, on uh, one claim about China. Remember this, time from, remember this uh, line from early in the campaign? China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. Come on, man. He goes on to say, hey, you know what? They're not a bad, they're not bad guys, but they, they can't compete with us. He announced a new opinion after he call, had a call with uh, Chairman Xi uh, on Thursday. Last night, I was, uh, I was on the phone for two straight hours with Xi Jinping. And uh, you all know as well as I do, these folks, uh, and it was a good conversation. I know him well. We spent a lot of time together over the... Uh, over the years I was vice president. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they're going to, we don't get moving, they're going to eat our lunch. Oh, man. Yeah, he probably spent a lot of time when he was vice president over there with, him, with uh, Chairman Xi, uh, along with his son, Hunter Biden. Oh, yeah, why was he there? He wasn't part of the government. Yeah, but he was there anyway, because he wanted to make sure that uh, somehow he could 
get some Chinese money to his son and his son would share it with him. I don't know. And, uh, and you know what? It's funny that why did, why did uh, Biden change his mind? He went for eat our lunch. Come on, man. Now he's saying, Hey, if we don't do something, they're going to eat our lunch. Why the change of opinion? You know what I believe? I believe shouldn't we, shouldn't we look for a, a president that has some clarity of what's going on? Shouldn't we? I mean, that we elected Donald Trump and he's outside the circle. He's outside the circle and he can see, hey, Japan, China, these guys are stealing our technology and uh, they're not trading fair with us. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that that if we had someone who who understood econo- the, the, the way the economy works, uh, basic economics, if he understood, you know, uh, fair trade, that we're let we're letting them just take advantage of us because we're nice guys. And if and Trump came in and he made those changes. Biden, on the other hand, didn't have any didn't have any clarity. He lives inside the the swamp for 47 years. He's in there. He's in there living in a whole different world than what we live in. He's not doing business. He's doing politics. They're in there. They're in there spending our money, our money, our tax money. They're supposed to be good stewards of our tax money, but they're not. They all go, hey, you know what? Uh, we're uh, we have a break for a month so to go back to our back to our states and 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 spend some time with our constituents. But instead, we've got time off. Let's take a trip to Israel and let's and let's use the the taxpayers' money and for the plane and for the and for the security and for hotel rooms. And we're going to go over and visit Bibi Netanyahu and we're going to say it's a it's a political trip. But we're just going to take all of our Democrat people and we're going to fill the plane up with booze and food and we're going to we're going to buy all this stuff and we're going to be on expense accounts the whole time. Yeah, and it's it's important important congressional stuff. Let's go on a field trip. Reminds me of a scene from uh, School of Rock. You know what? Oh man, I would love to take the kids to a concert. Concert? Yeah. There's one at the end of the month that would be perfect. The Philharmonic. They do the classics. They do Beethoven, Mozart, Enya, that kind of stuff. Huh. Oh, but you guys have a policy about field trips, huh? Would it be educational? Would it be educational? It could be very educational. Maybe we can make an exception. Yes. Sing songs, song, 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 sing it. Ooh, baby, ooh, ooh. I'm holding you to that. Make an exception on what sound for Shimon. If you guys don't understand the significance of the let's go on a field trip that Jack Black is talking about that, go back and watch School of Rock again, because that's the same thing our our Congress people are doing and they're spending our money to do it. Let me tell you something else that that uh, Biden did in relation to to China uh, on the same day, right after he talked to uh, uh, President Xi or uh, Chairman Xi. Um, Apparently, there is a computer program called. Confucius Institute. And apparently Confucius Institute is software that's made to be used by exchange students while they're here in the United States. And they're here in the United States. It's supposed to give them support stuff. And it's uh, and it's good for uh, kids in elementary through high school and especially in universities. So you got exchange students coming over here in the universities. And Trump made an executive action to say, hey, any school that's getting funding contributions from China through this Confucius Institute software, the government wants to know about it. 
hey, he didn't say they couldn't use it. He said, hey, China seems to be coming in and trying to get our technology and hack our computers and do all this stuff and say, hey, you know what? doesn't say you can't, but we just want to know who they're paying to get in and where it's being used. So we can actually do what we're supposed to be doing. You know, the, the you know, national intelligence, you know, they're supposed to be keeping an eye on things. You know, they, you know, hey, Russia came in and stole our election. You know what? The other countries can't influence us uh, unless we, unless we turn our eyes to, unless we turn our backs on how they could be getting in and how could they get in? How do people, how does big companies with all your credit card information get hacked and get all your personal information? Cause someone's getting into their computer system. Well, how do they get into the computer system of the, uh, of the universities? Well, they create a program that, that university students and elementary school students and all these uh, students that are hooked up to the, uh, through the internet, to the software for the schools and they get into their computers. Remember all the, all the, uh, all the, all the uproar about TikTok. Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to let TikTok be in here because it's the Chinese government is behind that. You know what? Trump said, let's keep an eye on this and let's just keep our finger on the pulse because he's trying to keep us safe. Biden canceled that. He just talked to the, to the chairman of China Chinese Communist Party, and he canceled that. What was the point of that? Well, Chairman Xi said, hey, you know, we would really like to have people stop taking a look at us when we try to hack your computers. Can you see something happening here, folks? Can you, can you feel it? Because apparently there's a whole bunch of people in this country that don't. Something else uh, Biden backtracked on this week was his promise to reopen schools in the first 100 days of taking office. Here's his campaign promise. And we try to get K through eight back to school by the end of this 100 days. We'll also do everything we can to safely reopen a majority of our K through eight schools by the end of the first 100 days. It should be a national priority to get our kids back into school in 100 days. Yeah, well, why K through eight? Why not K through 12? Why not universities? Why only K through eight? And why are we trying to get the majority of them open? Why don't we get them all open? I think uh, it's been established that <clears throat> kids under 20 don't get, don't get coronavirus. And here's what's actually gonna happen. Now that he's uh, caving to the teachers unions, reopening just means one day per week for 50% of the schools. Here's uh, Jen Circleback Saki trying to spin that. His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50%, open uh, by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more. The president will not rest until every school is open five days a week. That is our goal. That is what we want to achieve. Yeah, he's trying to get the majority of schools. That means one school more than 50%. And one day a week, they're caving to the teachers' unions because the teachers' unions decided they don't want to go to school and work, but they still want to get our tax money to pay their salaries, but they don't want to go into schools and work. I think that's complete BS. And I think it's complete BS that, our, that the uh, White House press secretary has to try and justify everything he says. I don't remember Kaylee McEnany saying, saying, hey, you know, this is a, uh, this is, this is, well, the Trump said this, and technically he's right. Now, a majority is 50% plus one, and uh, he doesn't have to 
they didn't say they're back in schools every day. You know, one day a month might be okay. You know, you don't, you didn't hear that from, from Kaylee McEnany. You didn't hear it from Sarah Sanders. You know, you, you heard him saying, Hey, the reason that he approved the Excel pipeline is because it creates tons of jobs. It created our, our country runs on oil, natural gas and oil and, uh, and we need to get the, the, by bringing this down, it gets us off. It helps get us closer to being energy independent. So we don't have to rely on people in the middle East that hate us to get our oil. And it creates lots of jobs and creates lots of prosperity. And that's why the, that's why Trump did it. They didn't have to spin on, well, you know, he technically said this, he didn't really lie. He just was a, uh, he just, uh, it was just a version of the truth. Finally, there's also backlash against Biden's executive actions on the border. Tommy Lauren has a uh, has a Fox Nation special coming out where she talks to angel moms uh, whose children were killed by illegal immigrants, which essentially is what makes them an angel mom. One of them is Marie Vega, whose son Harvey was an off-duty border agent killed right in front of her on a fishing trip. The killers were two illegal aliens hoping to steal the boat. This isn't somebody who's going to get a riot in his name. This isn't somebody who's going to get a hashtag activism, a black square. But it's someone in your family that you will never get back, thanks to two people who had no legal right to be here. And it's happening to thousands of families. Especially in the last four years, with the media and the talks about um, the separation and reunification of families for illegal aliens bringing their families here. What about the reunification of our families? They can never give Marie and the tens of thousands of angel families out there a reunification to their loved one. This is what we're dealing with. Americans last, illegal aliens first. That's what the Biden administration is bringing to America. Americans last. And you know, and as I, as I conclude our show this week, I want you all to think about what anything Biden has done that improves our country. In fact, I want you all to go, to go on social media and say, hey, uh, will somebody list anything that Biden's done in the first three weeks that did anything to improve anything in our country? And let's see what kind of response we get. Hey, I'm a lot of time. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona MLO license number 0926438, Branch NMLS ID number 184172, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.